He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You know, listen live to the transparent truth. America's number one high school football podcast. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios. Miracle Mile. Masculine and Wilshire. I'm with my man, the recruiting guru, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Greg the GOAT Biggest. GB. What's good? Man, are you sure you want to be giving our address away? Some of the stuff that we're talking about, especially you, you might get, you might anger some people. We might have some nutty dads. Have you, are you aware that there's some nutty dads out there in this world of uh, high school football? Yeah, you know, pe- people are a little bit crazy, but that's okay though. I, listen, somebody wants to address me, not a big deal. Let's talk about it. Hey man, I don't mind talking, but shoot, some of these dads are getting crazier. We're gonna walk out of the studio one day. There's going to be a dad waiting for us with a giant Rambo <laughs> knife or something, man. <laughs> no, that's funny, man. But, hey, this is a transparent truth, and I only know to bring it one way, and that's the honest but fair way. And um, that's just how I do. So, you know, he's either get with it or get lost. GB, we got recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Hit us where it hurts. We do have recruiting. We have lots of recruiting. we got a signing day coming up just a week from tomorrow, a week from Wednesday. So actually it would be a week from today since we are recording this on a Tuesday, Aaron Wednesday. How about some commitments, Coach Keith? we got a, we got a handful. Oh, yeah. How about Mr. Two-Way Talent himself, Sarah High School, Brian Addison, going to UCLA? Playmaker, natural playmaker, tremendous size, elite ball skills. Only a matter of time till this kid blows up in Westwood. He's going to be coming in as a receiver. No question. First, which is that's what we've been kind of saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, he probably will get a little bit of time at safety, but just the way I think his body is, uh, he's not going to ever put on a whole lot of weight. I mean, he's a lean kid. He's really, really lean. So I like my safety's coming downhill and hitting somebody. That's not really his game. He's more of that rangy guy who's going to pick some balls off. So uh, Addison, nice pickup for UCLA. They don't do too well out of Sarah High School. It's always been kind of a pipeline in the USC, but able to get that one done. Uh, Brian Addison going to UCLA. How about this one? Uh, kind of a, I don't know if I'd call it a, a recommitment, but so Raymond Scott, uh, Narbonne High School, kind of a long time USC commit. Never opened it up. There was a time we thought he might be going elsewhere, maybe Oklahoma. But he told me over the weekend that he kind of re-solidified his commitment to USC. He will sign there early uh, on Wednesday, December 20th. Raymond Scott, how does he fit in that USC defense? What do you think about his uh, next level upside? You know, I've always loved Raymond as a football player, and Raymond is one of those kids. I mean, he's got a huge heart. He's got superior toughness. He's going to be in the inside of that defense as a linebacker where you have to be good to stop the run. Raymond can run sideline to sideline. He's athletic enough to play in space. Um, He won't be one of their their edge rushers. He'll be an inside guy fitting from A-gap to C-gap. He's a hard hitter. He's a great leader, great kid, so a good fit for him. Does he kind of remind you a little bit, maybe like a, a DJ Calhoun at ASU, maybe a Hayes Pillar, just talk about body structure. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of not not small, but shorter, 6'1", yeah. but yeah. stocky and kind of makes plays, can yeah. run around a little bit. He's compact, but in, in that compact type body frame, a couple things you have to be. You have to be smart, you have to be quick. Raymond is both of those things. I think he's going to have a great career at USC. So the Washington Huskies, are kind of rolling a little bit. They picked up three commitments, all three really talented football players. A two-way lineman out of Utah, Sammy Tiamani, uh, O-line, D-line. He will play offensive line as a guard for the Huskies. He took his official visit over the weekend. Zion Tupolo Fatui, a linebacker out of Pearl City, Hawaii, also committed. One of the more underrated players. I think he's getting a boost in the uh, brand-new 24-7 rankings. And then MJ Tafisi from Alta High School in Utah. So Washington always seems to do well with the Polys. Uh, Utah and Hawaii are two areas that they recruit really well. So Tafisi, a linebacker out of Alta, also visited uh, over the weekends. So the Huskies, three for three on uh, three of their big targets. Any of those guys, Coach, stand out to you, whether it be Sion? And these, God, these names are always fun to say. But Tafisi, Taimani, uh, Tupulo Fatui from uh, Pearl City, Hawaii. I like Tafisi. 
the linebacker. Okay. Yeah, he, he's fast. He's physical. Uh, he likes to get downhill, tackle to tackle. I like him. I think he's a good fit for the Huskies. Uh, that Purple Rain defense, they're active. They're aggressive. They peach flying around and being relentless in pursuit. I think it's a good pickup for them. I should have had my boy Blair give me a tip on how to pronounce this one, but from East High, East High School in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, is loaded with linemen this year. Really, really strong. They're always good up front, but this yeah. year especially. But Junior Angalau. Oh, Angalau. Yeah. Angalau. Sure, Junior. So, I know Junior. Yep. I just don't want to butcher the name, but he's committed to Texas. Yeah. The Longhorns. You don't see the Longhorns go into Utah too often. They don't really need to go anywhere else uh, for linemen other than just stay in state. Lone Star State has a, a whole mess of linemen every single year, but goes into Utah and gets Junior Angalau. He's going to be a Longhorn. You know what? He may be a Longhorn. Little Birdie told me the Tennessee Vols are oh, yeah? sniffing around the chicken kook. Junior Angelau may be a late 11th hour flip to the vault. Watch what I tell you, GB. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark that down in my memory bank. Mark. Coach Keith said potential flip candidate. Potential flip candidate. We'll see. How about this name for Fresno State fans? How about Rodney Wright, famous father went to Rod, uh, went to Fresno State. His son. Rodney Wright, a running back out of Clovis West, is also going to follow his alma mater. He's going to be a Fresno State Bulldog. Very cool to see. How about Delano Ware from El Cerrito? We talked about him earlier in the year when he committed to Nevada. He made a flip to Illinois. And how about Milpitas High School athlete, running back DB Tariq Bracey, committed to Notre Dame. He's going in there as a DB. Kind of always thought of him as more, as a, more of a running back, but the Irish like him as a defensive back. And he committed over the weekend as well. And then a youngster, Kale Millen, the son of former Washington Husky quarterback Hugh Millen. Uh, Kale's in the 2019 class. He committed over the weekend to Northwestern. So those are our commitments of the week. We had a handful of D commitments as well. Uh, longtime Oregon commit, Braden Lindsey. Uh, kind of interesting here. So he was an early Notre Dame commit. Decided to stay close to home. Decommitted, committed to Oregon late in the summer, I think around June. Um, coaching change upheaval happened at Oregon. He decided to decommit, and guess where he visited this past weekend? Notre Dame, where he originally committed to. So we'll see. Again, don't often see a kid decommit, commit, and come back. To come back. Yeah. But uh, Lindsey, interesting case. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame, the Irish are all over him as a receiver. Uh, also, uh, UCLA has reached out to him. Uh, he said he got a call from Chip Kelly himself. So we'll see if he visits UCLA. But right now, it seems like Notre Dame might be the team to beat. Uh, speaking of UCLA, they lost two more guys, Isaiah Johnson. Uh, a linebacker from up north, and then Matthew Tago, uh, a two-way athlete out of Quartz Hill. Both those guys backed off their commitment. And I, I think right now when you see a coaching change happens, a new staff comes in, a lot of times these decommitments are always mo- kind of more of a mutual thing. It's about trying to get guys that fit the system. Sure. So Matthew Tago did tell me he plans to visit Washington State. This weekend He's also already visited Utah. I actually like Tago, 6'3", 215. You saw him at the UCLA camp. Absolutely. USC camp the week before he was offered a scholarship there. So uh, curious to see if USC comes back in the fold, although they got a ton of linebackers at USC already. But Tago was a guy I thought could actually play there. So a uh, little bit surprised. And then Jordan Porter from Etiwanda. Uh, this is a guy who I thought was going to pick ASU when he first committed, decided to choose Notre Dame. And then he backed off his commitment to the Irish over the weekend. So Jordan Porter is also back in the fold. So those are some of the D commitments. Then we had a whole bunch of official visits. Way too many for me. And I just drilled on myself. Um, way too many for me to lay, lay out every single one of them. But some of the bigger ones, we had Stephen Blaylock, a UCLA commit, visited the Washington Huskies. Woo. Watch out, Coach Keith. Woo. You better watch out for those Huskies right now. Steph, love that trip. Miss Deja Marie. I see you over there. He is. Uh, he's going to take his official visit to UCLA. Tell you what, man. If they want to keep Steph in the fold, they better blow him away because the Huskies did just that. Jimmy Lake is yeah. an elite DB coach, an elite DB coach recruiter. Yeah. Loved Coach Pete. Loved the area. Hosted by some former Bosco Braves out there. He said Terrell Bynum was his host, and he loved it out there. So uh, watch out for those Huskies. Also, Washington State had a handful of players from the SoCal area. Took a visit to Wazoo. But Jermaine Lole and Ashari Quaswell from Long Beach Poly. And then Halid Jabril uh, from LA Cathedral. All three of those kids visited Wazoo. We had Pelie Gautiote, USC commit, visited the Ohio State University. Ooh. We'll see about that one. Oh, what do you think? You, H. You got some buzz? I. Oh, I do have some buzz. You don't have any buzz. Oh, yeah, I you do. You got some buzz on EA? Let me tell you something. You just mentioned 
USC overloading at linebacker. Well, guess what? That probably doesn't sit well with a lot of linebacker commits. So what do you do? You call up Urban Meyer. You take a trip to Columbus. You realize, hey, they're not that deep at linebacker here. I might get a chance to come in and play. Especially when you're the number rated, number one rated inside linebacker in the country, GB. See, when you're the number one rated inside linebacker, you shouldn't care who anyone has. You shouldn't care, but you do care. You shouldn't. You shouldn't, but you do. No. I mean, Gautioti is better than just about every linebacker at USC right now. I can't imagine him being like, hey, you know what? They took a couple other guys in my class. They got some guys in front of me. I don't. Maybe I should go to Ohio State. They don't have any players at Ohio State. I'll tell you this. Just come G- on now. I'll tell you this. When Beyonce gets dressed to go to an award show without her husband, her husband, he ain't worried, but he's worried. You, you, you get my point here? You catch my drift? You smell what the rock is cooking? I, I smell it. I, I'm just not sure I'm necessarily buying it. Okay. But like, shoot, if he flips, then I'm going to say, hey, maybe you, ha- you were onto something. There you go. We'll see. How about Elijah Wade staying with the Nevada theme? One of the top defensive ends slash outside linebackers took a visit to Vanderbilt. Love this kid. Wait, we all do, man. Wade yeah. is also looking at both L.A. schools and a few other national-type programs. How about Matt Corral? Took a visit to Ole Miss. I'm kind of fascinated to see how his recruitment is going to play out. He is going to take an official visit to Florida. But remember, okay, new staff at Florida, Dan Mullen. A lot of times coaches come in. They want their own O coordinator. They want their own D coordinator. They want their own strength coach. They want their they own also quarterback. Want quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but Ole Miss is a, a heck of a fallback option for Matt. And, and shoot, my guy, Shea Patterson, just uh, transferred to Michigan. So there right. is a spot at Ole Miss right now for Matt Corral. Jarrett Patterson, really good-looking offensive tackle from Michigan Video High School, took an official visit to Michigan. He is going to visit UCLA this weekend. My guy, Brandon Huffman, talked to Jarrett Patterson over the weekend, and guess what he said? He said, watch out for those Wolverines. I think we kind of thought UCLA, local school, blah, blah, blah. It's a former ASU commit, decommitted from ASU. It's basically a two-team race. UCLA, Michigan, B. Huff said, hey, watch out for those Wolverines. I don't know if I'm buying that, GB. I That's saw what he picture. said. I saw a picture of the young fella a lot on of social snow. media. I saw nothing but <laughs> snow around hey, him. And some thinking, people like snow. Hey, listen, this kid's from Mission, sunny Mission Viejo. He's got a chance to play in sunny Southern California versus going to Ann Arbor. Go ask the young tight end. Uh, that's over at UCLA who went to Ann Arbor. Devin Asiasi. Devin Asiasi. How, how, how cold and how freezing temperatures that Michigan and that whole area gets around the wintertime. All that snow. It might be good for a trip, Greg. I don't know how great it is to live in. Yeah, but you know what? If you're a true football player, do you care about weather? Yes. You're going to be shivering. You only play out there and what, 10 times out of the year? You get to go on the road a little bit. You've got to live You, you there. get to go to warm places. That's true. That is true. you got to live there. But we're there. talking about Michigan. This is big-time football. But he'll visit UCLA. Yeah. Obviously, UCLA is trying to become a big-boy football program by bringing in Chip Kelly. So it would be a big-boy move to be able to beat out Michigan for a local offensive lineman. If they can't beat out Michigan for a local offensive lineman, and that's no disrespect to Michigan because I love my favorite helmets, my favorite fight song around oh, yeah. Michigan. Oh, yeah, no question. I don't know if you know that, but uh, now you do. Yeah. But uh, it would be it would be uh, big for them to be able to hold on to a local O-lineman. Speaking of UCLA, uh, Jarrett Bell from Norco and Malik McLean from Jay Sarah also officially visited. Uh, I think Jarrett Bell might go to Wazoo this weekend. And then Malik McLean, he's been a long-time commit. I think they're hoping to kind of lock him in. But... If you go on Twitter, you're going to see him wearing some Oklahoma pajamas. Look at pajamas. Yeah, with some Gucci flip-flops. Lincoln Riley himself. So, obviously, UCLA wasn't able to solidify him because the head coach of a top-four playoff team doesn't come into your house if you just solidified him. No question. Watch out for the Sooners. How about Jamari Joyner? Kind of a long-time Arizona commit as a quarterback. Visited ASU, the hated in-state rival. Mr. Coach Herm Edwards, kind of curious what he had to say to Mr. Jamar Jordan. I'm probably had something to do with winning and why you play the game, but that's probably the theme, you think? I coach football. That's what I do. I like it. I wonder what, you know what, Herm kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Ray Lewis in that I wonder if, can they just talk in like in a normal, 
Like when I've seen Ray Lewis no. t- t- like do like a normal interview, yeah. every interview is like, is like a pep talk. Yes. I wonder if Herm, like if you just say, hey Herm, how's, how's your day? I wonder if it's just his normal way of saying, yeah, I'm good. Does it come out like, like Rocky? Does hey. every interview come out like that? That'd be, I just want to just have a daily conversation. Hey, breakfast, what'd you have? Had a bowl of cereal. And just, it's just the most intense you could ever, right? <laughs> you know what? With the I've, milk and I've, everything. I've spent time around Herm being a part of the Under Armour game. Herm is exactly that way. Everything is a story. Everything is, is like a dramatic scene of a movie. But it's great, though, because it'll keep you entertained. Oh, man, he will forever. win. He will win. I'm, I'm still curious, you know, how is he going to do there? Sure. But he's going to win every single press conference. Absolutely. How about, for me, one of the more underrated DBs out west is Chris Mitchell from Mission Viejo High School. He took a visit to Boise State, and uh, I heard it went really, really well. Good. So, Chris Mitchell, I like him a lot. Nico Hall visited Oregon State. Don't know how it went. And I'll leave it at that. You know, about- <laughs> hey, Nico Hall, the four-star on Rivals in the, what is he, four-star on Scout? Scout had him, as, Scout had him as, a, as a four-star. I think he's a three on 24-7. Uh, yeah, don't know if they're too happy about that, but is what it is. Nico Hall, Oregon State. We'll see how that goes. We'll see where he ends up. How about Chris Murray from Modern Day High School took a visit to Colorado. All right, Chris. I still feel like Stanford is the team to beat, but Chris, you got to get that application turned in, buddy. That's kind of a big deal. Let's do that. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Have yet to turn in the application. Chris yeah. Murray, let's go with that. And then Chris Olave, a wide receiver out of Mission Hills High School, who happens to be teammates with Jack Tuttle, who Tuttle. happens to be a Utah commitment. Yep. Chris visited Utah, and he said he will take an official visit. Uh, I believe to Michigan this coming weekend, and he has UCLA and USC set up for January. But right now, it might be a battle between Utah and those two Big Ten powerhouses, Michigan and the Ohio State University. Yeah, don't don't sleep on Utah. You get a chance to play with your high school quarterback, who's a big time Elite Eleven guy and a big time leader with character. I think if you're Olave, you seriously consider Utah on that spread offense with Jack Tuttle sure. kind of throwing the pill around. No sure. Doubt. I always tell people, man, it's not always about the biggest name school, but the no, best fit the for best you. Fit. Find the best fit for you. If you're a receiver, do you want to go uh, to a school that might be able to use you better but doesn't have the same kind of cachet? Yeah. Or do you want to just pick a school because, man, when I tell my grandkids, hey, I went to Notre Dame, the, I went to Florida State, I went to Texas, go find the best fit for your skill set and your, where are you going to fit in the best? That same philosophy applies to so much more in life, Greg. It applies to the house you buy as an adult, right? It's not the, about the biggest house. It's about the best fit for you and your family. It applies to the woman you're going to marry, right, or the man you're going to marry, however you get down. What is the best fit for mm-hmm. me, right? It's not always the prettiest thing in the world. It's not always the most, you know, it's just not always the thing that gets you super riled up. What is the best fit for you? That's what it always comes down to. So hopefully they get that figured out. Well, hopefully they do. Yeah. And that is all I got. GB! Curry notes. With the extended recruiting notes. Man, December 20th, next week, GB, your first... So really Let's quickly, touch so on this yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah, I want to ask you the question. Yeah, okay. Because I, I have a pretty strong opinion. If you had a kid, or your coach had a kid, would you let him or encourage him to sign on December 20th, or would you rather have him wait for the February signing period? I think every day, every situation is different, but okay. just general, generally speaking, if my kid, Austin Miller, he knows where he wants to go and he's committed... Go ahead and sign December 20th. What's the big deal? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, if he is wavering, if he's on the fence, if he's undecided, um, then I would encourage him, hey, maybe you need some more time to think about it. Let's go back and look at the pros and cons. Let's try to help you make the best decision for, with the best fit for you. And let's wait till you know, National Signing Day, which is in February. Yeah, I mean, for me, and I'm not a huge fan of... of- letters of intent that bind me to a school to begin with. I'd always try to, if I could, I'd always try to find a way to just be able to sign a scholarship agreement, which would bind the school, but allows me to get out of it. Because I feel like between December and February, a whole lot could happen. Sure. And and obviously we saw a whole lot of uh, coaching firings that went down, I think, earlier than normal because of the December 20th signing period. But there still could be a whole lot of stuff going on between then 
in February. Now, basically, all I did by signing a letter of intent, I just bound myself to a school sure. that I don't know the direction. Sure. Now, they always say, hey, don't pick a school for the coach. It's impossible not to. Yeah. Unless you're going to Stanford. It doesn't matter who really the coach is. And obviously, David Shaw does a great job. But relationships are huge in making a decision choice. I mean, everything in life, the way you just explained about fit, sure. this is a relationship business. You want to go to a school where you fit in and have a good relationship, and that shouldn't be all of it, but at the same time, you don't want to go to a school, a new coach comes in and you're not his guy. The last thing you want to be is not someone's guy, right? You want to go where you're loved and where you're going to be given every chance to succeed because the reality is, and you've seen this firsthand, when it comes to college, oh, they always play the best guys. They play their guy. No question. And if your son isn't their guy, guess what? He's screwed. Now what? So I, I'd wait as long as possible unless yeah. they allowed me to sign a scholarship agreement in December. I, I, I wouldn't be a big fan of it, but uh, that's my quick no, take no, on that. I, I support that message. I mean, if, for the players that are listening, you know, I would lobby and negotiate for, hey, I want to sign the scholarship agreement. I do not want to sign the letter of intent until I totally and absolutely had to. And that should be an option for players, Greg. I agree. It should be an option for players. It's ridiculous that, you know, they want to take away options for kids. For players. Yeah. Right? Coaches can do whatever they want. I think right. somebody had a funny tweet. I don't know who it was, but it was like, uh, I think it was, it might have been Willie Taggart left, signed a big deal at FSU. They say, why didn't he have to sit out a year? <laughs> Why can he trans basically transfer and sure. coach right away? Where if I did that as a player, yeah. I got to sit out a year. It seems like <laughs> the rules are set against the players. It seems unfair to me, but what do I know, right? I'm just trying to be relevant. Let's move along. I agree with you, man. Top performers. Top performers coming up. We're going to start off with our guy. Central California, Fresno area, Cashmere Allen. Two-layer union running back, 327 yards, two touchdowns, excuse me, two touchdowns, and broke the national rushing touchdown record. Congratulations to our guy, Cashmere Allen. And we actually have an interview with Cashmere coming up. GB? I don't have a whole lot of top performers. As you shouldn't. I got a, I got a couple guys from Narbonne, able to watch them play. Jamar Jefferson. Love what he did. 226 and five touchdowns is what I had him at. Didn't play the fourth quarter. Wow. Really good football player. And also, uh, DeMonte Peoples, good-looking corner over at Narbonne. He's got to be at least six feet, pushing 6'1". He's long, lean, athletic. He had two interceptions. One was in the end zone. A one-headed catch in the end zone that kind of stopped a paraclete drive that would have at least given him a little bit of hope. Yeah. So DeMonte Peoples is a guy that can definitely play the next level, kind of being slept on right now. Is he an 18 or a 19 kid? He's an 18 kid. He's ready to go right now. DeMonte Peoples, college coaches, make sure you are listening and locking in on DeMonte Peoples over there at Narbonne. Let's take it to the Cajon game. Got a couple guys in this game. How about Joseph Yarber, the running back, three touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, had a big-time game. My man, my guy, Jeremiah Martin, the two-way beast, two sacks and a force and a, excuse me a fumble recovery Roan Weber I know he he committed to Wyoming just the other week GB as you mentioned he had an 88 yard fumble return for a touchdown our guy Jonathan Perkins the 19 linebacker over at Cajona had an interception for a touchdown also forced a fumble Keon Bradley he had a sack a forced fumble and a fumble recovery Daniel Fortune the 2019 two-way player a uh, big-time kid, 90-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Darren Jones, the freaky six-foot-seven receiver, caught his 27th touchdown of the season, tying a county record that was set by Javon McKinley of Centennial a few years ago. Last but not least, Jaden Daniels, quarterback, four total touchdowns, 273 total yards, and the Cajon Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Headed to the state championship. That's a whole lot of top performers from one school. We, we basically just did the game recap right there. Yeah, pretty much. Go ahead. How about a, a game we'll recap a little bit later on with our guy, Evan Barnes. Eli Noah from Helix High School. 23 carries for 188 in a back-breaking dagger of a touchdown run late in the fourth quarter. I just have one more guy. Go ahead. And that is it. Kind of uh, not my best performance, but it comes not my top performance this week comes to top, top performance. But Oaks Christian, a losing, losing effort. Oaks Christian running back Zach Charbonnet still had 148 yep. tough yards. Yep. Had to earn every one of them. And then one 
touchdown on a little fourth and one pitch play. And that's it for me. Take us through, take us the rest of the way in these top performers. Yeah, would no you? question. So right back to Helix, uh, Rashad Scott. I thought he was big time on the corner. Uh, he had a pick six. He was very aggressive. Isaac Taylor Stewart had a 16-yard touchdown catch. Um, and Helix gets the W. We'll talk about that game a little bit later with our guy Evan Barnes from the Daily News. Really quickly, want to take it to the school up in, why do I always forget this school? Line Trail Diggs School over there in, why do I want to call them Sierra Canyon? Who are they, Greg? Line Trail Diggs School, the running back over there at, ah, I forget the name. Grace Brother. Grace Brother. And there you go over in Simi Valley. Grace Brother. Line Trail Diggs had a couple touchdowns. They look good over there in Grace Brother, and they got a, did a good job, and they beat up Aquinas. Aquinas of San Bernardino. So that does it for our top performers. You're done too? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, dang. Yeah, your regional championships, only so many games, only yeah. so, I mean, so many top performers. Um, but, you know, just the other day, Greg, the Gatorade Player of the Year was announced in California. Went to our guy, JT Daniels. Yeah. Hard to argue. Sure. But I will say, Cashmere Allen. Cashmere Allen, I thought, had the most phenomenal year of anybody. National record breaker. And now a national record holder. It's my man from Tulare Union, Cashmere Allen. Let me say it again for the people in the back. Cashmere Allen. Cashmere, what it do? Yes, sir. What's going on? How you feel, baby? Feeling good, feeling good. Doing all right. So you just took a final. You feeling good about that final? Oh, yeah, yeah. Easy work, easy work. Okay, well, I mean, it's UCLA, so that's where you're headed. So that final better be good, you know what I mean? Yep. (laughs) No doubt about it. So I got my man GB next to me. He's going to drive the interview. And please, as always, on this show, give him the transparent truth. Yep. I, I can't see I can't see Cashmere Allen doing anything but giving the transparent truth. Amen to that. Hey, Cash, let, let's let's jump back a year ago. You had a good junior year, really good junior year. What, almost two thousand yards rushing, twenty seven mm-hmm. touchdowns, off season. You actually ran track for the first time ever, correct? First time ever yeah, running yeah, it. Yeah, You went ten four eight at yes, state, sir, state, which is insane because most people run track their whole entire lives. So good junior year, good off season. The, the thing I noticed, I think Keith does too. When we watch you play and just the way you kind of carry yourself, I thought there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Is that am I seeing that correctly? You yeah, had a great I played, man. Going on the field, I'm thinking I'm best on the field. So I mean, that's just my mindset. Every time I get the ball, I'm scoring. So again, good junior year. You're sticking running ten four eight. You check off a lot of the boxes. People sell, you know, he's not big enough. But you're not a shrimp at all. You're what five ten one eighty. So it's like you're five yeah, six. Five, you're not a you're not a you know a little scat back who's five eight and you know a buck forty. You check off a lot of boxes, but for whatever reason, kind of the whole recruitment's a little bit on the slow end. What is the what is the mindset? And again, I felt like when you went into the senior year, man, you're playing angry, like you're running. Oh, yeah, you're definitely. running with some vengeance. What is the mindset going into your senior year? Just the lack of respect. Uh, I mean, I've been dotted my whole life, basically, so, I mean, ain't nothing new. But uh, just like you said, uh, me on the field, I'm playing with anger and uh, got something to prove. So every single game, that that's where your head's at. You're thinking, I got every, I want every play to be a stinking highlight real play. I want to get some attention, and this play is going to be the play that's going to get that for me. Is that kind of where your head's at? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think there was a, we had a couple plays where I got the ball one time and we went, that was a touchdown. I mean, 80, 80 yards um, to 91. I went last game. Just things like that. So at, at what point are you starting to kind of get ticked off? You know, you, you, you committed early to Boise State, kind of backed off of that. Uh, we're, you're putting up numbers, and you got to be thinking, okay, this is the week I'm going to get an offer from Alabama. LA, LA Rams want me right now the way I'm playing. <laughs> right, right. But it was still kind of a slow process. Are you are you kind of getting frustrated? Are you kind of getting annoyed? Are you kind of thinking like, what do I need to do to get some love from the coaches? Um, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of frustrated. But um, my sophomore year, it was kind of my fault. I had an F in uh, geometry, and um, that's the main reason why I didn't get a few offers. But um, I went to summer school, fixed all that, and then uh, that's when that really started the recruiting happened. But uh, yeah, it was love, but. It started to pick up as my numbers got up. And you put numbers up eight each and every week, man. You didn't have a bad game. You didn't have a bad quarter. So 
take me through your recruitment just a little bit. Because I know for a while we all kind of thought, Cal, I think you even told me, and, and no, you know, no one ever, yeah. everyone's kind of coy. Everyone says, I don't have a leader. But you actually said, you know what, Cal's my school right now. Were you ever close to actually committing to the Bears? Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I was just trying to make sure I was there uh, academically. That's probably the main reason why I didn't commit. And then um, the rumors about Baldwin leaving, so that made me kind of want to like think about it more. But um, when UCLA offered and uh, Chip Kelly got the job, I already knew I was going there. <laughs> hey, you're, you're going way ahead of me, Kaz. You slow down. Yeah. I know you're 10-4-8, <laughs> but slow down for a second. I'm, I'm going to get to yeah, UCLA. But I feel like the, the first, you know, every offer is big, so don't. I don't mean to just, yeah, yeah, just make, but but with the Wisconsin one that that came in, that's a difference maker, right? Because I mean they run the heck out of the football. That's oh, Big yeah, Ten definitely. football, right? That's elite, elite. When you got that offer, what that one feel like? Oh uh, yeah, it was cool because uh, I mean they're a top top five, I want to say, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, at, the time, at the time, sure. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a good offer, but uh, I don't know. I thought I wouldn't like fit in well because uh, they're a lot of power, and I'm a I'm a scat a scat back. I like a lot of spread, catching the ball. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like what Chip Kelly did and wants yeah, exactly. to do. So even even so, the UCLA one came next. But I want to go back even a little bit further. So between Wisconsin and UCLA, you got a, a nice little offer from from the USC Trojans, which are kind of a big deal as well. How big of an offer was that one for you? And were you at all thinking about shoot just jumping on that one and becoming a Trojan? Uh, yeah, I was. I was. Um, but I mean. Coaches, they weren't really talking to me. It felt like they just, they just offered me to offer me. So, I mean, that's probably the main reason why I didn't go there. So then UCLA comes along, and you had a pretty, a pretty good, solid relationship with Deshaun Foster, correct? You, you, oh, yeah, he was yeah. on you and hadn't offered yet. Did he ever say why they didn't offer you during the Jim Mora era? Like, what were they kind of waiting on, or was it just like? system fit um, or what was his reason for I mean recruiting you this whole past year but they didn't offer you until literally Chip Kelly came in there uh yeah I don't know it might have been the fit but uh it could have been they probably knew if he was about to get fired or <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but I mean I don't know even if I got that you still offer with the old staff I don't think I'd have went because uh their offense, uh, it would look like a lot of power backs, a lot of sure. backs, and uh, that's not me. Now, were you an Oregon fan back in the back in the Chip Kelly era, or, or even you know? Oh yeah, that's Mark Helfridge <laughs> took over, and they—they, they, I mean, was that like the team that you got, always always kind of thought, man, if I ever could play in that type of offense, that that would fit me really well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Watching Dancing Thomas, Michael James, I mean. Who wasn't a fan of Oregon when we were younger? <laughs> yeah, no, huh? It's that, absolutely. Uh, you know, the uniforms, the, the all the stuff kind exactly. of appealed. Absolutely. So Chip takes over, and, and I texted you, and I said, hey, man, what do you think about that? I go, you think you'd fit in pretty well in that offense? And you said, man, I was just talking to a buddy of mine about that. And Coach Foster said, if he's going to be kept around, I'm going to get to the offer. I think the next day you got the offer, and the next day after that you jumped on it, wasted no time at all. Again, take me through that whole mindset of, of – offer and then kind of the quick commitment right after getting the offer i mean i felt like i shouldn't waste no time i mean it's perfect fit uh after talking to coach kelly uh cool dude smart dude uh, i just felt like it was the right perfect fit how does he want to use you i know did you have a home visit with him or did he talk to you did you talk talk to him over the phone uh we talked on the phone then okay. he came to my school and we talked for about like two hours so tell me, what what is the system fit for you? What does he want to do with you, and, and how do you see yourself? Uh, he told me uh, he's gonna use me like how they use Dancing uh, Thomas and Michael James. He kind of like told me like a combine. So I mean, we'll see. So kind of in the backfield, in the slot, catching the ball, returning, returning yeah, game, yeah, yeah, sure. all that. Did they say? I mean, obviously, right now with the new head coach, everyone's on evil playing field, right? You're not behind anybody because everyone's gonna be learning the same system. Do you got a yep. chance to come in and knowing you? I mean, I know you don't want to redshirt or sit the bench. You probably never set, never set the bench in your whole entire life. Is your mindset you want to come in and play like right now? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's the main reason why I'm not playing basketball this year. Uh, I'm gonna try to get bigger, stronger, faster, so uh, I'm ready. And are you gonna be signing in uh, the early signing period, December twentieth? Yeah, I'll be signing next week. Okay, and you take your official visit this weekend. Yep. Nice. You've you've been to UCLA before, have you? Like for games? Yeah, I've been to UCLA. Okay. Yeah, I've been to the game. I haven't been on campus or anything. Oh, though. so this will be the first time doing the whole campus tour and kind of yeah. seeing all the, seeing all, 
Yeah. So just listening to Greg ask you questions, you answer Casimir. It, I can tell you love the game of football. You know about the history uh, of football. If you can kind of remember. Who are some of the guys you've patterned your game after? So you watch guys, you say, you know what? I'd like to be that, or I'd like to look like that when I'm on the field. Uh, college or NFL? Either or. College. Either or. You choose. Um, of course, my cousin, uh, Robert Jordan. He played at Cal with uh, the glory days when they were good. Okay. Uh, the way he, the way he, how fast he is, the way he runs. Um, kind of modify my game after that. And then um, probably Deontay Thomas, because, I mean, we're like the same frame. Uh, kind of like same speed. Yeah. So yeah, those two. And out here, man, in SoCal, Dan, that's like Mount Rushmore. Yeah. We talk about legends, and and you know it was kind of people put DAT up there in terms of a guy who, even though you know pro, he was still playing in the pros. Still but I mean playing. that was a that was an absolute pop Warner yeah. Crenshaw legend. So that's a great guy to model your game after. Yeah, uh, really good football player. So. Are you going to run track again? You said no basketball, but do you still want to run track and see if you can knock off that 10-4-8? We, we think in 10-3 this year, Casimir? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> funny thing, I was supposed to uh, train with Coach Allen. Um, he coached at COS in Visalia. And um, he's really good friends with my dad. And uh, before I got the UCLA offer, he got a job at UCLA. So, I mean, I got training my whole football career at UCLA, the same dude I was about to train with out here. So, I mean, it worked out well. That's awesome. No, that, that's, that's, awesome. that's very that's awesome. That's very cool. You know, Kaz, you you had an unbelievable year. It seemed like every week we talked about you on the show, 300, 400, 500 yards, six, seven, eight touchdowns. You just broke the national record for rushing touchdowns in the season. How did that feel once you finally broke that record? Man, it felt, it felt great. Um I think before, yeah, before the season, uh, me and Coach Marks from uh, Boise State, he sent me the uh, the leader thing. The uh, I think it was seventy one. Yeah, yeah. He sent me that number, and he was like, "Man, try to get that national." And I told him I was gonna get it, and uh, we got it. <laughs> no, no question, you crushed it, man, and you've had such a tremendous year. I would be Greg and I are just in awe every week of the numbers that you were putting up. And even in the playoffs, right, you're playing against good teams. I mean, you're yeah. just dancing on everybody, <laughs> man. It was just big time. It was, it was great watching you. Uh, it was great following, the, you know, your, your pursuit of the record, eventually breaking the record. We were looking forward to seeing you in the state championship game. But you guys took an L last week and a tough loss versus uh, Sarah. But, man, congratulations. Looking forward to you uh, getting to UCLA putting on a big-time show for all the fans at the Rose Bowl and in the Pac-12. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you, thank Kaz. You. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yep, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Cashmere Allen, the world record holder, the national record breaker, touchdowns in a season, senior out of Tulare Union, UCLA commit, and soon to be 10-3 state champion in the 100 meter. Appreciate you, Cashmere. Yes, sir. Again, a kid with a phenomenal year. GB, uh, a great interview by you. Thank you very much. What a fantastic year by Cashmere. 73 touchdowns, I believe. The kid just went off. Yeah. I mean, anytime you break a national record, that's kind of a big deal. National record. National record. Like anybody that's ever played the game of high school football, this kid more scored more touchdowns than you in one year. Yeah. Yeah, and he wasn't playing eight-man football. I mean, this guy was playing legit, and he just everyone knew what was coming, and couldn't stop. Powerless to stop it. Yeah, couldn't stop it. So, uh, cashmere, kill him, doing your thing. I'm finna go get me a whole cashmere two-piece and a biscuit. Let's take it to our sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. And we have business and a man that is really interested in the community. We need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. 
They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. GB, you got something for us? You know, I got, I got a couple maybe. Uh-oh. You know, sleepers should be guys that we want to elevate, no right? Question. So sometimes it's the more the merrier. Being at the Narbonne game, watching them just physically overwhelm a, a really good paraclete team, and the guy that jumped out for me was Juice Tapua, who's just a junior. Juice. He was a 19 kid. He, he's not the guy who, with, with the great measurables, and that might hurt his recruitment a little bit. But let me just say this. If you want a guy who's a football player, who's going to play every single play, who plays like his hair is on fire, who's tough and he's physical, he can rush the passer. He's probably Narbonne's best pure pass rusher. He's relentless. right? What better way to be as a defensive lineman? If there's one word that you would want in a lineman, right? it's relentless. That would be Juice Tapua. Probably six feet yeah. on a good day. Yeah. 260-ish. Yeah. The guy can play, though. Yeah. So I'm curious to see his recruitment. But he, at least at the high school level, will outplay all the four stars and all the guys because yeah. he's just a better high school football player sure. than you are. Juice Tapua. Like him a lot. I think he's got to be a, got a chance. Again, he's got another year to go and develop. And grow. And grow. Yeah, sure. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, hopefully he's not already peaked. And then another guy, and again, this is the first time, I, mean, I didn't, wasn't sure about doing an, an, another sleeper for a guy that already has offers, but you encouraged me to do so. Yeah. So Jamar Jefferson is a kid who I think has definite Pac-12-level talent. Yeah. Right now, the main schools on him, Colorado, Colorado State, Rutgers, and San Jose State. All good schools, obviously, but this guy checks off a lot of boxes for me. He's probably about six feet, 205. He's strong. He runs hard. He's more quick than fast. I mean, yeah. he hits the hole, and he's a downhill guy. But he showed me more speed than I saw last year. I mean, he's out running guys. Sure. He definitely. If you watch the film, even against good teams like Pauly, the people from St. Remember, we talked about the people from St. When they played St. Louis, Hawaii, one of the guys. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. Because yeah, out of the sure. backfield, the guy had over. No, dude. Yeah. Step it anytime you want. But they, out of the backfield, the guy's got hands. Yeah. In this day and age, man, if you got a running back that can do those kind of things. Oh, yeah. So I like the size. He's really strong. I like how he finishes. I like how hard he runs. I like him in the tackles. He can go outside the tackles. Again, it's Pac-12 level guy. When I say you know Pac-12 level guy, I also Boise State for me is a Pac-12 school. So sure. he can play for those schools. He can play for a lot of schools. And for whatever reason, just no one is really jumping up and down for this guy just yet, but I think he definitely deserves it and has that kind of upside. Production. Production. Size, athletic ability, versatility as a running back. He can catch it, run it, block it. I've seen this guy since eighth grade. We tried to recruit him out of eighth grade. We knew he was a phenomenal football player. Munchie Jefferson. Doing it big. My guy Juice Tapua. Been watching since him, since he was a freshman over there at Narbonne. Two big-time players in Narbonne on their way to a second state title in three years. Great job by Coach Manny Douglas. Brandon Miley Maleuna, my guy. Jalen Chapman, the quarterback. So, shout-out to those sleepers. Jamar Jefferson, Juice Tapua, here on The Transparent Truth. Let's move along. We got some game recaps, GB. We sure do. Don't know where to begin, so why don't we just begin with a 2A game, which was Grace Brethren taking on an undefeated Aquinas team. Yeah. And Grace Brethren really laid into them. 24-8. to Kind of a little backstory. Grace Brethren coach Josh Henderson actually won a couple, not one but two, uh, CF championships at Aquinas, so there's obviously some familiarity there. But you mentioned it early on in your top performers, Lontrell Diggs with the 85 yards, two touchdowns, Seven McGee, what a great name. For a football player, had 107 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Aquinas running back, Brandon Rakin, still did his thing. Went over 100 yards, 134, but didn't go off, right? 134 is a great game for most people. Yeah. But they held them down, they held, held them under 200, right? Yep. Which doesn't happen very often. So yeah. you hold hold that Aquinas team. I don't know what they were averaging, but it like every game they were getting 30 to 40. So to hold them to one score, yeah. that's a heck of a defensive effort. So Grace Brethren, they're really good, really well coached. They got some special difference makers. They roll on, and they are playing for a state championship this weekend. So nice job for Grace Brethren. An ascending program out in that kind of valley, that Simi Valley area, ascending year by year. They get more and more players in there. They're attracting more and more 
you better watch out for Grace Brother and Sierra Canyon, all you teams over in that area. They are on the rise. They are for real. They're playing for a state title. It's going to be a Absolutely. big that's – a, that's a big-time situation they got going on. And you let them let them win that state championship game. Whether they win it or, win, or don't win it, they're going to have kids checking into that program, whether it be transfers, whether it be eighth-grade students starting their high school careers off. Grace Brethren is a place where you can, A, be recruited, B, play and learn good football, and C, win championships. So – I think they're gonna have to pay me for that uh, for that uh, uh, promotion I just gave them. That was kind of nice. Great, great job, Grace Brother. No question about it. So let's jump from that game over to Cajon and Rancho Verde. This was a seventy to twenty three beatdown over a really good Rancho Verde team. The key here, I don't care how good you are, Rancho Verde seven turnovers. Six. Wow! In the first half. Oh my goodness! That's that's got to be a record. No, you know what? I I remember Boise State threw seven picks in the first half or something like that last year against Utah State. But yeah, seven seven turnovers. Seven turnovers, six in the first First half. half. Yeah, it's tough to to recover from that. I don't even know what the halftime score was. I know. I know. Was it fifty to fourteen? Cone was up big. They were up big early on, and you mentioned all the state, uh, all the stat stars from that game with Jane Daniels, Joseph Yarber. You mentioned him with with three touchdowns that game. Um, Jay Perk with a pick six. Yeah, it was nice. That was obviously one of the touchdowns. Rancho Verde, you know, Brock White uh, made some plays. Xavier Yagori, I think, had 126 yards for Rancho Verde. Real young team, really well coached. Jeff Steinberg over there. Great run. Man, you win a CF championship. That is a great season, but probably disappointing for them to, to get that far and then to, just to play maybe a subpar game for them and kind of almost handed Cajon the game. That's 13 straight wins for Cajon. That's a long season right there. But had that little hiccup against Muir Valley. Kind of started to question how good is this team. But ever since then, man, they've just been rolling over everybody. And uh, and to think, Darren Jones coming back. Jaden Daniels coming back. Jay Perk coming, coming back. back. I mean, yeah. they got a lot of they dudes. they got their whole team coming back. A lot of, yeah, yeah. Everybody, Jeremiah Martin's probably yeah. the, the one key piece. But so they're going to be good. Man, no one's going to want to mess with those guys next year either. You know, this has been in the works for a couple of years, Greg. Darren Jones transfers over from Upland. Jonathan Perkins transfers from Summit. Uh, Daniel Fortune transfers from Summit, I believe. That's where he was at. They've been putting the pieces together through free agency, putting the pieces together through the offseason. They've got a loaded situation, and we were on their bandwagon early in the year. We said they would take the CIF championship. We said they would make a run for state. They've done it. They're doing it, and they will do it. Um, they play Sarah, who took out Cashmere Allen and Tulare Union. Sarah, they've got a pretty loaded offense, and they put points on the board. Kong, we'll see how they match up, but wow. I mean, Darren Jones, 27 receiving touchdowns. That's insane. Jaden Daniels, I think he's thrown for 60 touchdowns or something like that. That's insane. He's going to run for 1,000 yards and throw for 5,000 yards. Has anybody ever done that in California State history? I'd love to look that up and find out. I don't know, but, I mean, that's just video game-like numbers. Jonathan Perkins and Jeremiah Martin, uh, two levels on defense where they've got basically All-American style and talent players. Hill on the back end, Forrest, Perkins. Omar, that is. I mean, they got a loaded deal. Yeah. They just ran a rough <coughs> yeah. shot. Yeah, Javon over, Hill, the back end. You know, I don't know if without the six turnovers, Rancho Verde would have kept it close. I think that game was going to be a blowout. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say, right? It's tough to say. But uh, did they have enough it, to really keep up with? Come on, I don't know loaded. if you could keep up. I don't know if you can keep up. But yeah, man. You when you gift wrap a team six possessions. Oh no, it's, I mean, it's shoot. over. And they scored 23 points with seven turnovers. So they're that's, they're pretty efficient when they actually <laughs> had the football, right? It was like they were three and outs. They were no, moving the they football. They scored three out of ten times, yeah. just turned it over the other seven. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. Hey, also, want to give a quick shout to Crenshaw High School. I don't know if we, we didn't do a, a preview. For, I'm very or, confused about this. So the state games are weird. I'm very confused yeah. about this. Just, so they played in yeah. a 4A regional game. And it, it, again, I read it online because I remember just, you know, following Charles Mincy on Twitter. Okay. And and he was people were kind of going and Sondheimer jumped back in there and all trying to explain how it worked and who gets to go to that like city gets two spots. So is it the runner up from the the whatever they call the you know with all the top teams Narbonne? Yeah. Is that called the what is that called? 
the it's division like an, one it's is like called o- division no, one. No, there's like an open division and there's like another division. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know I the don't names. Know. But is it the is it the winner of the other division? Which or the runner-up runner from division. the top division. I got you. So they give it to the runner-up from the top, the top division, division, which makes sense to sure. me, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're in that division, it means you guys are better than the other division. Right. So Crenshaw got the second city bid. They give out two. Uh, they played in a 4A game over El Camino. Chris Brown yeah. was the running back. Sure. San Diego yeah, yeah. just committed to Cal. And uh, and Crenshaw got it done. They are moving on to play for a state championship after not winning the city championship. You know what would have been really ironic if Narbonne would have lost? You would have had Crenshaw going for state and, and Narbonne, Narbonne sitting not, at home. Yeah, obviously Narbonne got it done in a big way. But uh, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, Crenshaw ended up beating El Camino. And uh, they're going for state and great defensive effort. I think that I heard held uh, El Camino just 65 yards rushing on 30 carries Whoa. against a packed 12 running, running back. back. Yeah, sure. So usual suspects in that game, Isaiah Johnson uh, w- was really good. And Cranch, you know, props to them. I think it's been a long time, obviously, since uh, what the D'Anthony Thomas days, and they played for a state title. Was that yeah. 09 or whatever? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Terrible I don't, don't want to shortchange Crenshaw. I mean, they didn't win the city, but kind of like in basketball, they kind of do that. They're going on to a state championship mm-hmm. game. Hopefully they go out there and get it done, represent the, represent the city, you know, in a, in a big-time fashion and, and come home with a state championship trophy. Yeah, I even, I'd even write down uh, who they play, but no, that would be something if the city goes two for two. Yeah. That would be something. Hey, so we just got two more games left. Um, and we had Evan, our guy Evan Barnes for both of them, but uh, Helix Oaks Christian yep. was one game we wanted to talk about, and also the Paraclete Narbonne game. Yeah, absolutely. So to help us talk about this and break this down, we're going to bring in our guy Evan Barnes. Here we go. All right, we'd like to welcome in our guy, our affiliate, our colleague and associate, our good friend Evan Barnes of the Daily News Sports Editor. We're talking a little Helix Oaks Christian Narbonne Paraclete. Hey. Evan, how you doing? Evan, I'm always feeling good. Hope y'all are feeling good because I'm ready to be transparent. Yeah, there's no question <laughs> about it. We need the truth. I got GB in studio. So we're talking Friday's matchup, recapping Oaks Christian Helix. Big-time game with a bunch of big-time recruits. Tell us how you how you saw it. Well, honestly, I was kind of expecting it to be a closer game just because, you know, Helix lost to Paraclete, Oaks beat Paraclete, so I thought, hey, Oaks had a chance with his defense, but the story of the game really was just coming down to who was left standing. I mean, Oaks lost uh, both of their quarterbacks in the game. Josh Tyler was battling a hip injury, didn't play much in the second half. Michael Sagerman uh, hurt his knee, literally, to play after Calvert. Um, didn't return after an interception. He got hurt, so Oaks is down to its third street quarterback, Trey Johnson. And it was just, it was tough for them to get going offensively against Helix. But Helix, give them credit, they ran the ball well at that big old line. And I saw Parisley kind of uh, stifle a little bit. They had no problems running at Oaks. Um, that running back for Helix, uh, Eli Noya. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Eli Noya. He was, he was a stud. He was out there just, moving and getting holes and just making it hard and then he picked the game away with that long touchdown. I mean he was he was outstanding but I give Hughes' defense credit because they stopped those Christian twice on fourth and one that um kind of just took the air out of their sails. I mean I think folks drove the ball down with that Trey Johnson. They drove down inside the uh inside the five yard line at a fourth and one. They pitched it to Jack Charbonnet and Charbonnet was stuffed um a yard back in the line. So it was just Helix's defense came to play, and they were ready. And, you know, give us credit for fighting valiantly with the first two quarterback, but just was hard to kind of uh, get any offense going. Yeah, so that fourth and one seemed like a little bit of a, a turning point in the game. Oaks is kind of driving, getting ready to get, you know, punch one in. Short side sweep to Charbonnet. He kind of gets stacked up. Seemed like the, the air kind of left the sails there for Oaks at that point. But I was talking to Greg earlier off 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 microphone, I guess you want to call it. It never felt like to me Oaks was gonna be able to stop Eli Noyer from getting five to ten yards anytime he wanted. Did, did you see it the same way? That's what I saw. Yeah. He was he got his yards. He was his own line was just moving uh guys out of the way. They ran they, ran, they pretty much ran away from uh, 
came out Thibodeau. I mean, basically, um, whenever they wanted to run the ball, they should have been right away from him. And Noah was getting, you know, five, six yards a pop, a couple yards here and there. Even Carson Baker got a few yards. He had a 30-yard touchdown run on the first drive for Helix, where he just on, fourth, on the fourth down, just ran to the right side, nobody in front of him, until he got to the end zone and got touched. I mean, it was just... They ran the ball at will, and Noah, I mean, for a sophomore, I know you guys are pretty high on him, but he was he was quite impressive behind that line, and he showed some wiggle, he showed some some burst, and then, like I said, right after he stepped shot in that fourth and one, Noah went out for that long touchdown, and that pretty much was, you know, good night, Irene. Hey, Evan, first off, good to have you. I feel like you're almost like a, a third co-host we have you on so much. You're like part of the team. But, <laughs> hey, QB3 comes in. And obviously, he wasn't expecting to play, but he actually threw the ball pretty decently. But still, game plan-wise, I came in late. I didn't see the first part of the game in the first half, but I felt like there was a lot of throw on first down, throw on second down. If you were Oaks, would you have tried to use Charbonnet maybe a little bit more? Uh, or did you kind of like the game plan that they were doing, maybe getting QB3, you know, getting some some early first down throws, which I always say is it's probably easier for a backup to throw on first and then third and long, right? So I didn't have a huge issue, but I didn't feel like they used Charbonnet a whole lot on those early downs. They, you know, fourth and one, the whole team knows he's getting the ball. They can stack the line. But how, how did you like the game plan in the second half for, uh, for Oaks Christian offensively? Well, the second half, it really was a little bit tricky because, I mean, when Calvert threw that interception to Rashad Scott and he took that for a pick six, it almost seemed like you knew that those Christians passing was going to be a little bit tricky. So I would have tried to run a little bit more, but they did a great, give you a credit, they did a great job um, stopping Charbonnet a little bit. Charbonnet didn't have as much running room in the second half, and I think that was because Oaks was losing quarterbacks. Um, but the first half was a little bit different. I mean, they, they ran the ball, Calvert ran the ball well, Charbonnet ran the ball well. Um, they just couldn't get into the end zone. And then he was the secondary help, I think, three interceptions in the second half. So I would have probably thought, okay, try to run the ball a little bit more than the one drive that um, Oaks got going. You know, they did pass the ball a little bit, got, got Robert Fletcher involved, moved the ball downfield. Um, and again, I was surprised that on fourth and one, they ran that little toss sweep. To the short side. Says, to the short yeah, side, instead, right? Yeah, instead of trying to go up the middle a little bit because, hey, you're moving. He's just on the you know, toes a little bit. I would have thought just punch it in and try to go up the middle, but Helix was ready. Like, they were ready for, for Charbonnet on fourth and one, and they just, you know, stopped them, and that was basically the game right there. Well, I remember earlier in the game, there was a fourth and goal for Oaks Christian, and Helix had crowded the middle of the defense and really stacked the interior of the box. Oaks Christian went toss sweep, and Charbonnet walked into the end zone. So you repeat, the, you know, Later on in the game, it's fourth and one. I, Oaks Christian was probably anticipating the same type of look from Helix. Helix gave them something different. The toss sweep, not very effective. Charmaine gets stacked up. I think you're right, Evan. When the quarterback started going out with injuries, Helix kind of loaded up the box versus Charbonnet in the second half, really put the clamp on him, put the onus on the quarterbacks. Uh, three interceptions later, it was a problem. I thought Rashad Scott was very good. I thought he was good going into the game. I think he's very good once uh, I finished watching the game. So a big-time performance by the Helix defense, even though uh, Oaks Christian was, you know, was down a couple of quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree with you there. Rashad Scott, I thought was impressive. I mean, the interception he had, great read on the ball, jumped his breath, and then basically did the rest. He almost had another interception, too. So I thought... Um, as much as you know, you guys love you know talk about Ivy Taylor Stewart. I got to see him against Perkley uh, a little bit. I thought Rashad Scott just you know said why he also has you know you know I think that he's a team leader in interceptions for Helix with teams run away from uh, Isaac. But yeah, he he played a fantastic game. I thought. And it's interesting, Greg, and I was thinking about this while I was watching the game. Rashad Scott is a better football player than Isaac Taylor Stewart easily. But Isaac Taylor Stewart is a more highly coveted, highly recruited football player. It goes back to the argument, you know, prospect versus player, right? Sure. Um, right now, Isaac Taylor Stewart is, to me, he's not a very good football player um, in terms of, you know, relative to his projection. So he's a five-star guy, but um, he, he doesn't really want to hit anybody. Um, his coverage skills are average at best to me. 
but he projects high because of his skill set. I understand that. Hopefully everybody else does. But Rashad Scott is ready to go right now. The kid can ball, athletic, uh, aggressive, a playmaker, can move really well, fluid in space. Really like him as a ball player. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Isaac. I think a little bit better than that. I, I've seen him at the, you know, the opening and other games where he actually has has looked a lot better. Um, but hey, you mentioned Paraclete, so now it might be a good time to go ahead and segue over to that game. Uh, Narbon and Paraclete again, Evan. I don't know what your thoughts was going into this game, but I had seen Paraclete play Helix. I saw Paraclete play Oaks Christian. Didn't see it, but heard about it and read about it and it was a pretty competitive game this one was over after about two drives for each team you know when I saw how easily Narbonne moved down the field and then how difficult it was for Periclete to pass protect it got to a point where you know Brevin White who I love just looked really skittish in the pocket um, they didn't run the ball they didn't really try to run the ball they didn't establish any type of physicality on either side of the ball and then at that point Narbonne was like a pack of wolves with fresh meat I mean those guys again I was on that sideline so just listening to them come off the field man they were just playing with a vengeance and playing mean and angry what, what was your thoughts going into the game and then what, what were your thoughts after watching about a quarter and a half of that game honestly you were right that GD because after three quarters uh, but not three quarters, three drives. You kind of saw that Narbonne was just faster. They were just well prepared, and Narbonne just really didn't have any answers. They just didn't have any, eventually, excuse me, didn't have any answers from Narbonne. Uh, Jamar Jefferson just went, you know, got the ball and basically ran it well. Um, I just didn't see anything out of Pericles. Like, I thought the Pericles defense, what they did to Helix, I thought, okay, maybe they have a chance. They're going to stand firm. They're going to stand tough. But, um, yeah, two drives. It was pretty much a wrap. Once um, Narbonne intercepted uh, Brevin White for the first time, you could tell it was kind of a wrap. So um, it was it was tough. I thought you, you people told me at the side on the side and they said, "Yeah, Brevin White looks off or whatever." And I said, "He looks off, but how would you look facing you know all those linemen and linebackers basically in your face for the entire game?" <laughs> no, I was at that Helix game too, and Helix is every bit as big as Narbonne. They don't play with the same kind of aggressiveness or the same kind of physicality as Narbonne. That was the difference. But I was like, you know, though, that Paraclete line has played against Kayvon Thibodeau and at Oaks. They played against the huge Helix line. They just got physically manhandled up front. And then I, they kind of just took a step back, I thought, just from a pure psychological standpoint. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. I know Dean Harrington told me after the game that was the second best, second best team he's ever played against, ever. Dean Harrington said after the uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I got wow. the text. Yeah, after the 2000, wow. the 2015 Bosco team they played against, he told me that was the best. But he said this was the second best team they've ever went against. And uh, man, Jamar Jefferson for me, I mean, I don't know what you thought, Evan. For me, this is a Pac-12 level running back. You know, right now his main offers are San Jose State, Rutgers, and Colorado State. If you can talk about talk about Jamar, what you see from him? What were your thoughts on on his his? I know you don't talk too much about next level upside, but I mean, how much do you like Jamar Jefferson? I'll tell you what, I'm going to let Dean Harris speak on this one, because Dean Harrison told me that guy is a Pac-12 running back. Dean Harrison said to me, he's a Pac-12 running back, um, and what I saw from Jefferson, I kind of saw him a little bit of a Dondo last year when Sierra Canyon played them, but... Um, I was impressed. Like I've seen, I've covered some Narbonne teams, and they've relied a lot on airing the ball out. Um, they've had some running backs, but that guy—you can see why Jalen Chapman's stat just tackle stats. Um, he has fewer touchdowns than last year because when you got a back like him, give him the ball and just let the let him do his work. Like he was, you know, getting yards at will. He was basically just—I I think there was one play where. One drive where Jefferson had six touches on a seven-play drive, whether it was passing or throwing it to him. And he basically just, he was the MVP. Like, the defense did a great job, but I was just blown away by just how good he looked because I don't think I've seen a Narbonne running back look like that. Like, I've seen uh, Narbonne when they had a guy by the name of Trey Boone who had a huge game in the city championship a few years ago. But Jefferson, that's, that's a running back. Um, you may have to go back to like 2008 when they had a running back 
Uh, I can't remember his name. Melvin. Yeah, Melvin uh, Ingram. Was it? No, not Ingram. That's the linebacker. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. He was the big, yeah. kind of big kid. Big, yeah. Big, bulky kid. Melvin was, was good. Like, he was real good. He kind of like took, took over at the end of the game and Bernie Crenshaw in that 08 semifinal. But yeah, like you have to go back to them to get running back that I can remember for Narbonne, who was uh, that good, that effective, where Narbonne really didn't pass the ball that much, they didn't need to. No, I remember. I remember people from Crenshaw saying they thought Melvin was better than the kid from Oaks Christian, Malcolm Jones, who yeah. ended up going to UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, they, Melvin yeah. was a stud, but no, I really like Jefferson a lot. You know, how about Narbonne? Just they have it's, it's such a not a typical city team. They have so much depth. No one goes both ways. They rotate eight guys in on the defensive line. It's like watching Bosco how they rotate so many big bodies up front. And they got men uh, up front, and they all just play with so much like. Man, if I can say, there's a lot of piss and vinegar. Yeah, right. You can say it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they play mean. They play mean, and I think it's again, it's all about competition. You rotate guys in, man. If you're taking plays off, you're on the bench. Pl- yeah, you're on the bench. I got to make a play, coach. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like you don't see that of city teams. I mean, Keith, you know, GD, you know, like the city depth is one of the big problems with a lot of city teams. Now. They just don't have it anymore. Like you don't have the days where you had um, the 1987 Carson team that had like six linebackers. They were, you know, D1 guys. Right. You know, you don't see that now. So, for Narbonne to basically have guys who just bring in and, like, go make a play, I got you, coach. Like, it's a lot of credit to uh, Manny Douglas and that staff, just what they do, and those kids who just are willing to be coached up, who come in hungry to play. And you could tell before the game, like, Narbonne was warming up. They just had that swagger, that confidence. And, you know, it's funny. Like, I always say that that 2012 Narbonne team was, you know, that's one of the best city teams we've ever seen. Like, we're not going to see a team like that maybe again. But defensively, this Narbonne team looks pretty close to that. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I'd love to ask many Douglas that. But that that defense was so fast, so aggressive. Like, you could tell right away that Pericles wasn't ready to just kind of, you know, see that. They faced Thibodeau, they faced Felix, but Narbonne was a whole different animal. Like, even after the game, I talked to Andre Hunt and Brevin White. They were like, yeah, we haven't seen a team that fast in a while, and it kind of took us a while to get ready for it, but we weren't ready. No, they're clicking. I mean, they're a better team now than the team that lost to St. Louis and lost to Long Beach Poly. I mean, if they weren't able to replay those games now, I, I think Narbonne would be really tough to beat. I mean, just ranking them against all the Southern yeah. California, I would probably rank them, you know, fourth behind yeah, Bosco, Modern Day, and, uh, and Centennial. Yeah. I would rank them over Mission Viejo, who was probably the, the fourth team. So, I mean, that's a good Narbonne team for sure. Evan. Yeah, they're, they're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hard-hitting analysis, they're good at football. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, hey, Evan B., we always appreciate you joining the show, man. State championships this week. Uh, Going to be back here next week to kind of wrap it up and, and wrap up the season. But as always, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks for giving us your insight. Hey, always appreciate you guys. And, hey, you guys have done a great job this season. The Transparent Truth has definitely been, you know, one of my favorite podcasts to enjoy. So, hey, you guys keep up the good work. We salute you. No doubt. Thank you, Evan. All righty, man. Take care. Have a great one. All right. All righty. And we're back. We appreciate our guy, Evan Barnes, from the Daily News, jumping on and uh, always sharing his insight and all of his hard work with us. Hey, Oaks Christian takes an L against Helix, and uh, Narbonne smacks Pyroclete pretty badly. But, um, yeah, GB. It's state state championship time. It is. We'll probably talk about those games on the Friday matchup show. Yeah, you're right. So it's time to bring this baby to a close. Yes, sir. We appreciate you taking a ride with us. Follow us on social media. Follow the show. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.